Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Wake Up and Grow. I am your host Natalie Bittinger and today's episode is titled Change of Heart. And the focus verse I am going to be centering this off of is Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 6. So if you have your Bibles with you Go ahead and turn there. If not, use your phone or just listen to me. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 6. And what version am I using today? NLT. I'm using the NLT today. The Lord your God will change your heart and the hearts of all your descendants so that you will love him with all your heart and soul and so you may live. So, pretty short. Um, but I am going to be jumping around in scripture today. Just a forewarning. So, if you have your Bibles ready and with you, great. Feel free to write, if I'm moving too fast, feel free to write down the references I mentioned so you can go back and look at them. Or if you can keep up with me. If I were to ask you the question, do you know of Jesus, or do you know of God, what would your answer be? I did some research this week, and according to a poll taken in 2015, roughly 92% of American adults believe that Jesus existed and lived as a historical figure. And according to that poll in the article that number dips a little bit with the younger generations it focused on millennials with that number being 87 percent and i know that's an older older poll so i found one taken by a different source but similar question and this poll was taken in 2022 that number dropped down to 76% U.S. adults believing that Jesus existed, exists, and lived here on Earth. And though these numbers are disheartening, another, or I guess the most discouraging fact, to me at least, is that many people believe that simply believing that God and Jesus exist or occasionally attending church is what makes them a Christian. So the number of Christians that we believe are in the world today is simply based off of those who claim the title. You know, most of these polls don't delve into their actual religious or spiritual life and so the number we believe are the number of Christians is actually much lower because this is not what makes you a Christian simply believing that he exists Jesus God and occasionally going to church that's not what makes you a Christian John three sixteen 
We've all heard it, so I'm not going to read it. It explains that salvation is what saves us, not sitting in church or simply believing that God exists. The understanding that Jesus died to take away our sins, which we are guilty of, you know, agreeing that we are guilty, and then accepting that sacrifice is what saves us from eternal death and hell. That is what gives us the title Christian. But there's another element to it that I think is unfortunately missed by a lot of both my generation and just people in general today. And I'm going to be referencing to a book throughout this episode um, titled Theos Starter Pack Toward a Recovery of Essential Christianity. It's written by multiple authors, but I'm going to be quoting one. But this book pointed out something that I think is worth mentioning in this episode. And the chapter I'm pulling from is the chapter written by one of the authors, Thomas West. But he says that almost everybody, whether they're, you know, Christian or not, receives what we call general revelation about God through simply existing in his creation and being created by him. And what West references is Romans chapter 1. So turn there with me if you don't mind. But he goes through verses 18 and 20. Romans chapter 1, 18 through 20. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. So, whether you're Christian or not, you know of God. But, like I stated earlier, there are a lot of people who unfortunately believe that simply knowing of God is enough. And it's not. So that's where this change of heart comes in. But I think before we get into the changing of the heart, we need to figure out why our hearts got to this position in the first place. And that is through our sinful nature, which we are born with ever since Adam and Eve sinned. It has been there. But that is what has turned our hearts against God, which is, again, why they need to be changed in the first place. In West's chapter of Theo's starter pack, he kind of dissects this first chapter of Romans 
and explains how our sinful nature and our sinful hearts have, I'm going to butcher this, but it's idolatrously, idolatrously? He explains how we have idolatrously suppressed the gospel, both from ourselves and from others. West wrote, quote, Chillingly, our hearts are so opposed to God that we do two things when we encounter the general revelation of God's character. First, we suppress the truth about God. And this is pointed out in Romans 18, or sorry, Romans 1, 18. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. West continues, like trying to hold a beach ball underwater in the pool, we push the knowledge of God down and away, behaving as if it isn't true and he really isn't there. Second, we substitute or exchange the glory of our immortal God for other false gods. This is idolatry. If you skip over to Romans, still chapter 1. Um, but verse 25, it says, They traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the Creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Our sinful nature, our sinful hearts, whether consciously or not, suppress the truth about the gospel, about God, and then we substitute it. We substitute him for lesser things. But even after we've received and accepted Jesus' salvation, we shouldn't stop there. Because it can be incredibly easy, as I've found through experience, to fall back into those sinful ways of suppression and substitution. Particularly substitution. We have to learn to live as a Christian and not just be one, if that makes any sense. Not just claim that title, but actually like live it out and allow God to do that by transforming our hearts. If you turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, I would like to read that with you. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. This passage of scripture emphasizes that we were saved not just to escape punishment in hell, 
but to serve out our God-given purpose, as I talked about in the last episode. Purpose. You can go listen to that once I'm done with this one. But in order to do that, in order to live out this Christian life and serve the purpose God gave us, we need new hearts. Hearts that love God and love others, doing his work without hesitation and with zeal. When we were saved, we become a new creation in Christ, as 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. Therefore, because we are a new creation, we don't act as we used to. Because we're new, we're different, we are not the same person we were. And I think this is something that a lot of saved Christians struggle with. You know, we want to keep our old habits, our old ways. But if that is the case, then you really truly haven't repented. Because repentance is being revealed to that you have sinned. Acknowledging that sin and that God is right and that you are wrong. Asking for forgiveness and turning from that sin and going the opposite direction to the best of your ability. And I think a lot of the time we leave out that last part when explaining repentance to people. We leave out the part where we turn away from that sin and actively deny it and actively pursue righteousness. When we have this new heart, it does help us to follow God's laws and perform his will. And this is mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 36. Verses 26 and 27. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. This stony heart, or some translations might say just a heart of stone, is a heart that is stubbornly fighting against God and his will, wanting its own will and way. This isn't a literal heart of stone. You would be dead. But just keep that in mind that when someone is described as having a stony heart, it is a heart that is defensive. One that has refused to accept the stirrings of the spirit, stirrings of God and his will for their life. 
you know, it'd be like me plugging my ears as a little kid when I didn't want to hear what my parents wanted to tell me. Though it was true and though it was valuable, you know, I wouldn't want to hear it, so I would plug my ears. And so if we want to live out the Christian life, that requires us to be receptive. And a change has to be made in us after we are saved. Otherwise, we can't be receptive. Otherwise, we can't do the things we desire to do for the kingdom of God. If you go to Romans, again, chapter 7 this time. We see the Apostle Paul talking about this struggle within the Christian. But Romans chapter 7 verses 14 through 17. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for what I want to do is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one in the wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. We must actively, not passively, pursue a change of heart within ourselves. A change from this sinful nature to a spirit-filled nature, the Holy Spirit. And that begins with our salvation and continues throughout our Christian life. Again, I'm not minimizing the importance of salvation. That's literally step one, and you can't have the rest of these. You can't have more spiritual growth in your life if you don't complete step one. But we must also actively pursue this heart that mirrors the heart of God. If you go over one more chapter, in Romans, so Romans 8, I'm going to read a couple different sections of verses. Uh, the first being verse 1 through 9. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So, God did what the law could not do. He sent his own Son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his Son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. 
but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. So this idea that you can be a Christian, you can be a child of God, and still live in your sin, and still actively pursue the sinful desires and pleasures of the flesh is very plainly countering scripture. So it is very plainly a lie if we believe that the Bible is complete and utter truth. And it does sadden me that a lot of people who claim to be Christian have fallen for this lie. But there is hope. Because in verses 12 through 14 it says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you don't, you don't have to give in to the temptations. You don't have to sin. I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm not saying that once you get saved, it's going to be easy peasy lemon squeezy. It's not. This is something that is going to take effort and time on our part in understanding that because we are human, we will have moments when we fail. But we also have to understand that even though we fail, we can get back up and succeed. Not on our own part, because like I said, we are human, we are weak, and we can't do it on our own. But through the help of the Holy Spirit, like mentioned here in verses 12 through 14, we can put away those desires, we can say no and turn away. That doesn't mean the temptation won't be there, but that means that with his help and with practice and effort, you can not fulfill that desire. You can not fall for that temptation. And that will steadily help you to recover the heart of flesh that was originally created in humans, in us, God's children. Almost like breaking old unhealthy habits and replacing them with new healthy ones. We have to learn to love God's law and his ways over our own. 
and this also helps renew that heart in the process. I used to actually not enjoy reading my Bible at all, in part because I think I had a version that I didn't understand and I would get bored. I I think I've mentioned this before, I know I don't have ADHD, but I think sometimes I'm just more distractible during certain parts of the day. And when I was younger, it almost always happened to be while I was reading the Bible. So maybe that was just Satan trying to get at me. But I had to learn to figure out a time when that was best for me, where I wouldn't be distracted and a place. But I also had to learn to look at this book differently. And what I mean by that is that this wasn't just, I used to look at it like a textbook. And yes, it's a history book, but it's so much more than that too. And I won't get into the details of that because that's in a previous episode, but I had to learn to love this book as the breath, as the word of God. This is God speaking to me. But it is a process, changing my habits from my sinful ways to ways that are more aligned with God and his word. It was a process and it still is, you know, I slip up, I'm human. But I get back up again and I ask for help and strength to change. And maybe changing your heart to match that of God seems like a daunting and Herculean task to you. But let me encourage you by saying it starts with a simple yet life-altering prayer. If you've already prayed the prayer of repentance, if you have accepted Jesus' salvation and are saved from your sins, you are past step one. If you haven't done that, please stop this episode right here and do so. If you want to change your heart to match that of God. Stop now. Ask for repentance first. But then, I'm going to kind of give you a guided prayer. But let me warn you, if you sincerely pray this prayer, God will answer. So if you don't truly want your heart to change, don't pray this prayer. It is what I've labeled a dangerous prayer because it will be answered. (laughs) And maybe dangerous is the wrong title to give it, but if you truly want your heart to change and be a mirrored image of his, then ask him to do so. Ask God to give you a new heart. Ask him to give you a heart that is moved as his is moved, hurt and broken as his is broken passionate for the things he is passionate for. Ask him to remove any obstacle that is preventing you from having your heart renewed. Ask in sincerity and faith and it will be done.
I want to thank you again for listening and remind you that Wake Up and Grow releases episodes bi-weekly. This is every other Monday. And I encourage you to go give Wake Up and Grow a follow on Instagram at WUG Podcast. That's spelled W-U-G Podcast. And go find Wake Up and Grow on Facebook. Again, I'm Natalie Bittinger, and this has been Wake Up and Grow.